Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Meredith Hack with Edwards. And before we get to Meredith, here's a few announcements. Our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. You can go there. You can see some photos that the guests have taken. You can see some photos that I've taken. You can see stories that I've written and some stories that some of the guests have written. You can see links to their social media and our social media. Our social media is Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. We have a Facebook page. Follow us there. We have a YouTube channel. If you can follow us there, that would be great. Also on our site, you'll find links to Stitcher Radio, Apple Podcasts. We're on iHeartRadio. Basically, anywhere you get your podcasts, there we are. So if you listen on any of those services, which most of you do, I ask that you please give us a good rating because that helps more people find the show by boosting our presence. And that's a cool thing for you to do. And I'd appreciate it. If you want to write me, maybe say some nice things. Maybe you have travel questions. Maybe you just want to tell me how awesome I am. I don't care. You can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Meredith Hackwith Edwards is someone I found on Instagram because she was tagged in a photo with my friend uh, Kinga Phillips, who has also been on this show. They were on the beach in Pensacola, which is where Meredith lives. And it turns out Meredith has her own podcast, as a lot of people do. It's called Meredith For Real, The Curious Introvert. And Meredith thinks of herself as a curious person, as a lot of people are, and certainly a lot of travelers are. We travel because we're curious and want to see what the world has to offer. So we hit the road. And Meredith is someone who, uh, it's not exactly a travel podcast per se, but travel's a part of it. But she covers a lot of different topics because she's curious about a lot of different things. And it's also a YouTube channel. She is a, uh, a part-time model and a full-time curiositor, as she likes to call herself. Originally from Nebraska, she moved to Pensacola, where she had a lot of family, and enjoys the beach lifestyle. So she's been to a couple places in Central America to surf, which is cool. We talk about the Florida Panhandle and the beaches there, the old Redneck Riviera, the other LA, Lower Alabama. We talk about her podcasts a little bit and life in general. So if you want to follow Meredith, you can go to MeredithForReal.com and seek her out under that handle on all the social media sites and give her podcast a listen. But for now, you can hear her right here on Travel Tales. Please enjoy my conversation with Meredith Hackwith Edwards. This is Meredith for real. How many for people real. start uh, your uh, interviews that way? Is this Meredith for real? You're the first. No, real opportunity lost from those other jokers. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in uh, Pensacola, right? Yeah, uh, L.A., not Los Angeles, Lower Alabama. Lower Alabama, the Panhandle, the Redneck Riviera. Look at I, you knowing things. Yeah, oh, that's right. I got family in uh, in Florida. I've been there, going there my whole life, and I played Pensacola once as a comic back in the '90s. I did the uh, 
Is it Tyndall Air Force Base? Um, that is Panama City. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's where my family's from. Yeah. Oh, so you're a native. Mm, I like to say I'm bi-regional. Okay. <laughs> I grew up in Nebraska. So I think like you, I'm from the Midwest. And my family's from the Panhandle. My parents met in high school because my granddad was stationed at um, Offutt Air Base in Bellevue, Nebraska. So my parents, like all classy, you know, 80s, 70s kids, they met at a kegger. And <laughs> along came me. At a kegger, sure. <laughs> and this, high is pre, this is pre-cornhole, so they were playing, uh, I don't know what we would have played, quarters, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yep. that sounds... Mm-hmm. I'm just guessing, because I didn't, you know, I never had beer before. Yeah, and you're decades <laughs> younger. Yeah. Um, okay, thank you for doing this, first of all. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I found you on Instagram through our mutual friend, Kinga Phillips, who also did this show years ago. How do you know Kinga? She's the best. So I have a friend named Ramona Robbins, and she's a photographer. And she was the photographer on my very first modeling shoot. Oh. And yeah, yeah. So I'm a commercial model. So not like I'm the kind that gets to eat food (laughs) and then also model and um, just look relatable. Like, you want to be my friend. Here, have oh, a cookie. Sure. Um, yeah, that's that kind of modeling. And so that's how I met Ramona. And when I started my podcast, she came on the show. Now, she's horrified to be in front of the camera. So she overcame a huge fear by doing that. But she was so happy with the outcome that, um, you know, she was telling everyone about it. And and that included Kinga. And she said, Meredith and Kinga, y'all need to meet. And so it was 2020. So we were all bored anyway. And so Kinga <laughs> and I got on a Zoom call just to just to meet and um, with the premise of her coming on the show. But we realized we had so much in common, just weird amounts of stuff in common that even after the show was done, we stayed in touch for three years. She's come into town a couple of times, but it was always, um, you know, the stars didn't align. I was out of town. And then recently she came into town and I was here and we all hung out. It was super fun. That's great. Well, how do you do modeling out of uh, Pensacola? I mean, is there a market <laughs> down there or you're, it's, it's, it's not New York? It's not. It's that's very observant of you. It's definitely a <laughs> boutique market. So yeah. most of the stuff that I've done is the same. It's um, I play a mom and I get a fake husband and a couple of fake kids and we run along the beaches holding hands. It's kind of really the same scenario every shoot with a few exceptions that have been real memorable and different. But um, yeah, mostly it's just tourism and it's not very exciting. But when you do get a gig, it pays pays pretty good. Yeah, oh, cool. So it's mostly print. Uh, in the beginning, I think it was more print. But as you know, digital advertising became more of a thing, it was like a blend how that's kind of evolved because you know there's print rates and then there's tv rates and but it's it's interesting now when i see the emails come through because i'm like well it's kind of everything but um so i don't know how how that's handled on the back end but um yeah so here and there that's what i do occasionally so probably just now it's like only one job a year it's very sparse but it used to be four or six a year i was one of their more booked models so what does Meredith for real and the curious introvert, what are those two things? Are they different? Are they the same site? And what's the, <laughs> what's the meaning behind both? Well, first of all, it's like the longest podcast name ever. <laughs> it's I both. To... I mean, I, I just thought oh, it was. Oh yeah, the... it's okay. both. 
All right. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's excessive. But here's what happened. What had happened was I wanted to name it something like Curious Introvert or Getting Curious with Meredith. But, you know, Jonathan Van Ness has the Getting Curious podcast. And so there just wasn't a lot of options out there that weren't already taken. And when I typed in the words curious and introvert, there were so many shows that I knew that it would get lost in, you know, the other pile of shows with those keywords there's not very many people named Meredith. It's definitely an old-fashioned Southern name. It's actually my grandmother's maiden name. Um, so I knew that if I started with Meredith, that it would be more findable. And so somehow that became Meredith for real, the curious introvert. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I know I consider myself an introvert too. And when I tell people that, um, they go, but yeah, but you make your living as a comedian. You're on stage every day, you know, you're in TV and all that sort of stuff. How could you be an introvert? And I say, well, it's pretty easy. You know, I, you know, I kind of get my people fix out there and my attention fix, and then I retreat back to my own space. Are you the same way? Because you're a, you're a model yeah. for crying out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Model and a podcaster. And yeah, I, th I like to call us performing introverts. There's a lot of us out there. It's just yeah. that nobody believes us. And when we tell them, hey, I'm an introvert, they pat us on the head and go, oh, don't be so hard on yourself, honey. Yeah. And it's like, no, I'm not saying I'm a dummy or I'm awkward, although certainly at times I can be. I've been known to just wear a dress backwards all day and not realize it until it's way too late. But um, but it's just more about, yeah, energy in and energy out. And I like the paradox of performing introverts, you know, like those two things shouldn't go together. It's like a bear. It's interesting. A, uh, you know, tricycle. It's interesting, but a bear on a tricycle. Now that's really interesting. And so that's kind of the premise of the show is um, to feature people that shouldn't go together. So like the atheist doctor who studied near-death experiences for 50 years. That shouldn't be a thing. And yet he is. His name is Dr. Bruce Grayson. He's fabulous. And so I featured him on the show. And then, you know, the other half of it, which could go along with the theme of introversion, is exploring questions that we think about in private, but we don't ask in public because of cultural hypnosis or because they're taboo, you know. So it covers a lot of bases. All kinds of subjects you you go through. You go through like mental illness, like you said, or like health issues. Do you ever touch on travel and that kind of thing? I did in the beginning. Yeah. I wanted to create a podcast that I would listen to, one with uh, that explores nuance, that's educational, but also fun and sometimes talks about things that you're not supposed to talk about. And so I created something that I would want to listen to. And that in the beginning did include you know, aspects of travel and cultures. And um, I, I unfortunately found that most of my listeners uh, are not that interested in this topic to the level that I am interested in it. So the episodes <laughs> that I enthusiastically created about this topic were not as widely uh, received as I had hoped. But um, but my my hope is that through the process of podcasting and, you know, meeting new and interesting people and just following my own curiosity that I will not only be able to travel more and just share, you know, what's happening with those adventures on social media, but I'm hoping that I'll trip over something that will allow me to merge these two medias together for an audience that would accept it. You know, like I, I would love to make something that's like accessible anthropology, helping people <laughs> give a shit about the world. That's going to be my tagline. <laughs> okay. That works. 
What yeah. um let's let's trace it back to your from your journey from Nebraska to Florida. Was there a pit stop in between? Did you go to college back in the Midwest? <laughs> I went to community college um, in Omaha and studied health and human services. So counseling, that sort of thing. Loved the idea of that. Um, loved, you know, exploring psychology and how the mind works and how people are motivated or not motivated. But I did the math and it turns out you have to get a PhD to make at that time, I think I figured out it was like $34,000 a year. And I, I was like, hold on. <laughs> That math don't math. Uh, I'm going to yeah. get these large student loan payments and not be able to pay them. But I'll have like, you know, this degree and this very stressful job. No, thanks. And so I went into sales and was a Mary Kay sales director for about 17 years. And through that, going into people's homes and, you know, like seeing where they eat and sleep and talking to them, that was anthropology within itself. And although, you know, we're talking about traveling in the very obvious sense, like the world sense, I really believe that you don't have to go very far in order to meet somebody different than you to connect with them and like learn something extraordinary. You just have to ask the right questions. That's the key. Did you win the big uh, pink Cadillac? Did you get one of those? I I earned three Mary Kay cars, but I wasn't. Yeah, yeah, but I wasn't so epic that any of them were pink. Oh. <laughs> they have different ones. Oh, really? Yeah, so I, I was only sl- yeah, different levels. So I was only slightly epic. Yeah, oh but it was God. free. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Thanks. You get to keep a car, or is it like a, they lease it? It's for a you? yeah, it's a lease. So it's a fleet vehicle. So you get you requalify every two years, so you can take the cash or take whatever car is offered up that year. And so I I did car cash car is what I did. Yeah. So you did it back in Nebraska or in Florida? I earned my first car um, in Nebraska and it was delivered, I want to say a week before I was scheduled to move to Florida. The car that I had prior to that would not have made the trip. So it was um, very motivating because I wanted to get the hell out of Nebraska. I get it. I get it. Um, yeah. Why? Why the Panhandle and not say, oh, you know, Miami or something, you know, or one of the other coasts. All my best memories are here. All my childhood memories. I learned to surf here. I learned to skimboard and water ski here. And you know, my my family's here. My grandmother is not far away. My uncle and just all across the northern Florida area. I mean, we came off the boat presumably from Sweden um, in like this East Coast Southern area, and then most of us just never left. And so there's a lot of family here and I would come here every summer. And so I just felt drawn to this place and wanted to to make it my home. So I've never been homesick, not even once. Like I haven't even <laughs> been back to Nebraska very much, but I love it. It's fantastic here. Give us the worst hurricane story you've ever had. I've only experienced one hurricane and that was oh, Hurricane that Sally. I got lucky, but shh, don't say it too loud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, we lost power for five days, but we had water. So it was just like camping kind of. And we're, <laughs> we're not like, you know, when we travel, we usually stay in a hostel. So we're not like fancy people. So we're just like, oh, okay. I guess we're sleeping on the floor. It's really hot. Um, <laughs> but we have water. So that's cool. And, you know, we set up um, a, a tent in the front yard so we would, because it's continued to rain, it was a very slow moving storm. And so we set up a tent so we could cook on a propane thing and it was fine. Which hurricane was this? Sally. Well, how long ago was that? That was 2020, September of 2020. Oh yeah, or, what a yeah, good year, huh? September. 
That was a banger. What a fun yeah. year. What a wow, it was great. Um, so you talk about hostels and stuff. Where have you gone staying in hostels? Well, um, we've been to Nicaragua and Costa Rica. Um, and those were where the two hostels that we have stayed in. So, but not in the like, you know, 20 year old backpack way. We stay in, <laughs> we called them at the time because we were in our 30s at the time. We called them 30 year old hostels because it's like you have your own shower. Yeah, There's just that's... a shared kitchen space. And so it ended up being really awesome to, especially Nicaragua. We really liked the one in Nicaragua because it was a surf ho- hostel. So everyone there, surfed so even if you didn't speak the same language you know y'all surfed so it was, it was it was really cool and then we met amazing people there and um it, it was just wonderful our and then from there we actually crossed the border into costa rica and then went up to the mountains and uh stayed in they called it a cabin but it i mean it was it was a hostel like you could hear the person in the next cabin sigh <laughs> so thankfully it was during Christmas. So there weren't many people there, but I was like, oh my gosh, like someone farted in the next room. We heard it like <laughs> it, it was not private. Oh man. So like how much a night would it be like average? How much you're. Oh, that's a good question. Um, gosh, I don't remember. It was not a hundred. It was under a hundred a night. Uh, right. Maybe For a private like room. 50. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, in Costa Rica. Now in Nicaragua, I think it was 30. Right. And it, that was the expensive one. That was like, woo. You know, what the Australians the- down the street, which you could hear because they're Australian. Oh, sure. Yeah. They they paid like $17 a night. So, and that was that was a party situation. We're like, ooh, yeah, nice to meet you. Fun, fun. We'll be over here asleep at 8 30. Bye. So obviously between Nicaragua and Costa Rica, the their surf spots. That was that the totally reason for the trip. That was the reason for the trip. Yeah, we. Um, my husband had always wanted to go to Nicaragua, and I only knew what was depicted in like movies of Nicaragua. So oh, I well, immediately thought, yeah. like, yeah, I thought, okay, yeah, kidnapping. That sounds great, babe. Let's oh. do that. <laughs> and um, so I wasn't feeling it. And then um, a friend of ours, he, like a surfer friend, um. He was getting married in Nicaragua and his fiance's parents owned this place in Nicaragua. And so it was very like, it felt very safe that all these Pensacola people were going to be there and they're going to pick us up from the airport and, and, oh, honey, we'll let you stay for free in this little, you know, cabina. And I was like, okay, well, that sounds good. Let's do that. So we're booked our tickets. They're all ready to go. And then I'm, I'm sitting in a networking meeting in Pensacola. And I said something to my friend who was sitting next to me about going to Nate's wedding in two weeks. And she looked at me and her face dropped. And I said, why, why are you making a face? She goes, you didn't hear? No, Robin. Why? What did I not hear? She said, the wedding was called off. What? What? I got two weeks to to replan this whole (laughs) thing. So in two weeks, I, you know, after yelling at Nate for not telling me that he had called off his wedding, um, we rescheduled the whole thing. And that's how we ended up at this surf hostel. And then because we were much in a much different place, we were close to the Costa Rican border. I was like, you know what? While we're there, let's go ahead and go to Nasara. And then the, our friends in Nasara were like, you can stay with us for free. And I said, you know what? With the money that we're going to save while we're in Nasara, let's go to the mountains. So it ended up being this three-point trip. And it was just wonderful. 
So no, I have Nate to think. That's great. <laughs> and his failed engagement. And his failed marriage, yeah. Uh, did they ever get married? Did it ever, or was it done? Mm-mm. Oh, poor Nate. Nope. The Nosara is where uh, I learned to surf. I went to surf camp there for a week. It's cool, wow. right? It's a good break. Yeah. Yeah. How good are you? Like you longboard or can you like carve up little stuff? <laughs> um, no carving. My, I, I do have a short air quotes, short board and it is six foot eight um, <laughs> that I mostly have just used in Cocoa Beach, Florida. Um, so yeah, but my, my other board, the one that I normally ride is nine, nine feet. Cocoa Beach. Is that where Kelly Slater's from? It is. That's pretty good, huh? Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah, it's a great, that's one of my favorite places to surf. There's a huge female surf population and uh, just a lot of surf culture there. There's a surf museum and uh, you just see, it's very common to see more women in the water than men on any given day. And I just think that's rad. That Now, that's on the Atlantic side, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're, I mean, when people think of the Gulf where you're at, I mean, the Gulf doesn't have a lot of waves. I mean, it's not known for it. Uh, so how do you, uh, how good is the surf there? <laughs> how do you surf? In my mind. Yeah. I mind surf. Now, there is a shelf. Um, I think it's like 60 miles. Someone can Google that and then correct me if I'm wrong. But I think it's 60 miles off the coast. There's a, a deep shelf. And that causes um, some waves when there otherwise wouldn't be any. So it's a lot of wind-driven surf, but sometimes we get ground swells and that's really exciting. So um, yeah, you just have to be a freaking meteorologist to look at the, you know, the conditions and make sure that they're right. And you're like, okay, am I going to cancel this appointment? Am I going to move this meeting so I can go? And then, yeah. And then you get there and then there's always, you know, some jack wagon that's sitting on the pier going, oh, you should have been here two hours ago. You're like, okay. Jack wagon. (laughs) So if you're, (laughs) are you one of those people that like, uh, they always drive me nuts. Even out here, they say, they go on the news and the news will say, uh, you know, there's a huge storm coming in. Everybody, you know, take shelter or whatever. And then everybody's running away from the beach. And then there's a one guy with a surfboard running to the beach. Dude, the waves are crazy. They're a killer. Are you that person who's like, hey, hurricane's coming. Let's get out there. Now, I am to a certain point. There's a point where I, I respect that it's outside of my league. So I, I will go like a day or two before the storm hits and a day or two after it hits. And those are great waves for me. Um, but yeah, my husband will go out closer to when the storm is approaching and and paddle out. But because we have sandy bottoms, we don't have a predictable point where the wave will break. Even as the waves are coming in, they can break in different spots. So you get these sneaker waves and that can be a little unpredictable. And I, I just, it's a lot to handle. So I, yeah, that doesn't bring me joy. I, I love a good, you know, that's why I like Cocoa Beach is like real pushy, slow, waves that are sizable, you know, so I can take my six foot eight board and, and work on my bottom turns. Not that they're, Mm. you know, anything, but, um, but just, yeah, like you can really ride the face of the wave instead of just like these two second boop and then it's done. Right. Right. So what other, uh, surf trips have you taken anywhere around the world or have you taken some? 
No, that was it. Um, just Costa Rica and Nicaragua. So Costa Rica twice and then Nicaragua once. Um, our first trip out of the country was actually to the Dominican Republic um, in uh, Samana. <laughs> of all places. And that, I wanna, were you on a cruise or something? No, I've never done a cruise. This was for um, my husband and I got married in 2014 and we had planned to go to Costa Rica later that December. So we got married in March. But in between March and December, his cousin decided to get married. And that happened in the Dominican Republic, but it wasn't a resort. It was just a house that, you know, was meant for travelers, but but it fit all of us. So we were there with 13 redneck Southerners <laughs> in a place where we were, there was no Americans. And I say that not because like that doesn't, you know, doesn't mean it wasn't safe. What I mean by, you know, pointing that out is we stuck out so badly, so badly. And we were not necessarily well received. And I don't blame anyone for not receiving us well because we were so loud and so typical of what you think of stereotypical Americans. Mm -hmm. We're on the plane flying in to the Dominican and everyone is singing the song Drunk on a Plane, full volume. Full everyone is trashed except for me. <laughs> and then I realized we're about to land. Who is going to drive the rental van? And I'm panicking because this is my first time out of the country. I don't want to drive the rental van. <laughs> and so I tell my husband, he better start drinking water because he's going to be driving. And then once we land, we it's just like herding cats. Like everyone's everywhere. They're so loud. Oh my God, they see, you know, a tax-free liquor store. So even though we're supposed to be going to the car rental place, we lose half the group in the liquor store. They come out. I mean, huge bottles of liquor, like bigger, just huge, dropped the bottle on the floor in the airport, crash all over, glass everywhere, vodka everywhere. And what does she do? She tries to just walk away like nothing ever happened. I'm mortified, mortified. Uh. Yeah. And then we get to the van. They don't have a reservation. Needless to say, a couple of hours has passed and we're all very sober. So that part at least was <laughs> solved. But then we we drove three hours to our destination. And yeah, it, it was sold to us by the bride. They're oh. not married anymore. Oh, boy. As you know, like everyone speaks English, there'll be Wi-Fi, no big deal. And so although I love situations where no one speaks English and there's no Wi-Fi, my mind was not set to that caliber. <laughs> And so I hadn't really like practiced my Spanish just a ton. And, you know, and so we get there and the the owner of the Airbnb is French and she doesn't really speak English. So, and none of us speak French. So that was exciting. And then, um, you know, we went to the restaurant, which was walking distance, thank goodness. And immediately uh, one of the members of our group says in a very loud voice to the waiter, don't distill marijuana. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> marijuana is very illegal in the Dominican yeah. Republic. It's like cocaine illegal, like for real. And their system of justice is throw you in jail, figure it out later. And so I was just terrified. Actually, the, the I guess the waiter did have weed because that person got some weed. Oh. And uh, yeah, I got to see you know, my husband's 
older aunt smoke it out of a Coke can. I didn't know that was possible. This was before I even smoked weed or anything. So I was like, we just got married like five minutes ago and now I'm with your family in the Dominican. And yeah, so it was, there was more to that. There's, I mean, (laughs) instance after instance, but the Dominican Republic was like my maiden voyage into traveling. And although there was all these crazy stories and it was fun, it, it taught both my husband and myself that we enjoy the slowness of travel and connecting with people. And I think that type of travel that we did, although better than no travel, is more of like a consumption model of travel. The kind of travel where, you know, you it's like an Amazon state of mind, instant gratification, you know, uh, sign up for everything eat up everything, take lots of pictures, right. <laughs> you know, um, you know, s- served hand, hand, everyone serves you kind of thing. And we really prefer that kind of like five-year-old version where it's like, you're curious about everything. You're present. You make sure that you hold time, hold space for being bored and to have nothing on your agenda and to, um, you know, make those connections well, at the very least, it, it taught you that uh, you don't like traveling in big groups. I don't. Uh, <laughs> it's it's hard. It's really, really hard. Um, what's on your bucket list? Where do you do you have a, any trips planned, or what? Where are your dream destinations? Well, we have um, our ten year anniversary is uh, next year, oh, so we're going to Greece. Yeah, thank you. Have you been? Yeah, that's beautiful. Not a lot of waves, though. I'm warning you now. Not a big yeah. surf spot, but uh, where are you yeah. going to the islands? I assume uh, we're not really sure yet. We're probably going to spend about a month there, and so a month? Um, wow, okay, yeah, great. yeah. And he, he, his family um, is from Greece, so um, we're although we don't know like any details. There's some arguments about like how the last name is even spelled. Oh, um, sure. So that'll yeah. be interesting. I would like to connect with someone from his like heritage line i think that'd be very cool um but yeah i haven't really landed on where to go yet i think we'll be there in september so we've picked the month but just not the places yet well that's when i was there it was in september it's the best month of the caribbean or in the mediterranean i mean because uh you know the august crowds have left but the water's still warm um the ferries are still going starting october they start to shut down a lot of the hotels and the ferries and things so I would suggest, you know, you'll probably end up going to Santorini and Mykonos at some point. Those are the most popular and, uh, but also the most pricey. So I liked, I went to Eos, Paros, and Naxos, which are in between those. And they're kind of like much more chill. I mean, they still have a tourist infrastructure, but they're not as crazy. I mean, it's just, I mean, romance. I mean, Santorini is all couples. So you guys will fit right in. It's like all honeymooners and everything. So, I mean, that'll be great, but it is it is pricey because yeah. it's so popular. And it's like a cruise ship stop and that kind of stuff. So um, I would suggest one of the smaller islands. And this is where his family can really come in and help and point out, point the way. You got to go where the locals go, you know. Yeah, yeah. Part. I've been kind of collecting resources of people, you know, just I've met over time that live there or that have connections there and kind of 
you know, getting information from them and recommendations from them. So I, I heard about, we also watch a lot of documentaries and um, travel shows. And I am curious about the island of Lesbos. Have you, did you go there? I didn't go there. And also uh, Crete or Crete, what they say, um, is supposed to be really cool, but it's just farther down and it's, it's really big too. So that seemed to me like a separate trip almost because there was so much to see down there well lesbos no i haven't been to um but i'd love to love to see it well it was historically an island of women of lesbians and that's where we get the english word lesbian and i just i'm a fan of their work i just haven't been and so i might want to go to lesbos and just (laughs) yeah you haven't been to say that again uh, yeah i'm a fan of their of their work i just haven't been ah yes 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 (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's uh you'll love it you'll have a great time yeah Um, i think so i'm excited what about a dream surf destination where do you want to have you been to hawaii have you done any of the south pacific no i would love to go to hawaii i would love to go to puerto rico um i uh would love to go to barbados as a surf it's like maybe not a very popular surf spot but i've heard the surf is really good especially in february there um there's not many places that i don't want to go i want <laughs> to see it all um i i would love to go to southeast asia i have a i almost did for my birthday in february i have a friend that lives in northeast india and she lives in an ashram. And so we, she was wow. like, I was trying to figure out how I could get to India on my birthday. But um, as she pointed out, you need to give India time. And I was like, can I do it in seven days? And no, no the answer is no. So yeah, there's our plan is to purchase a home, to build a home, and then just not have to worry about the landlord potentially selling our place. And then to live for two or three months at a time in different places abroad, because that's usually how long a visa lasts. Right. And right. so the first stop will probably be Mexico. Okay. And be, because then we can surf a lot. And my husband loves tacos. I call him my Greek Mexican. He just <laughs> loves him some tacos. So we'll do, you know, street food in Oaxaca. And um, I am finishing my scuba certification this week. So I'll be scuba certified. And so I want to see all the things in the ruins. And, and I think that would be really cool to just do long-term Airbnbs in a country to really, you know, feel it out. Plus then my Spanish, I'm sure would be better. I'm sure it would it's be. It's gotta be. Yeah. It's Don't be. esta marijuana. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you may I'll not want to say that too loud. Can. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, they decriminalized marijuana actually. Did they? I think they did. did they? I think they're on their way to, well, decriminalization is such a gray area, right? Because it's like, it's still illegal, but we, we promise we won't get you in trouble for it. It's like, oh, that's yeah. a lot of, a lot of trust. I don't know about that. All that. <laughs> um, well, Mexico's great because I mean it's so big that you know people forget how big it is, or they don't realize it. And different regions are very different from other regions. So, and you know, different food down in this region, and then different. I mean, some of the best food in the world too. So that's a good call. And uh, I was just in Baja uh, a couple months ago. And I hadn't really explored that, you know, the Sea of Cortez and La Paz and stuff like that. It was great. It was great. And so, and congratulations on diving. I've been a diver for over 30 years. So, really? Uh, yeah. So, there's tons of stuff to see. And because you surf and dive, 
you know, you guys got to go to Australia at some point. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Olympic games are scheduled to be there in a, a few years or something. So we were thinking that might be interesting to go then. Oh, absolutely. You got to go. You got to go. It's a big world. Well, now you can you know, clue us in on, um, you can play regional expert now. Uh, you do all this work with tourism. Tell us where to go in Pensacola and the panhandle that uh, everybody knows Panama City. That was a big yeah. like uh, spring break stop. You know, I'm from Illinois. So when I was in college, but you know, Panama City, man, that was like, you know, crazy. And then Destin, you know, the beaches are beautiful there. They are beautiful. Yeah. And that powdery sand I do love. So is oh, there yeah. like uh, a secret place you can uh, ruin the secret now for people who want to go? I was just going to say, uh, Mike, I, I feel like uh, you're setting me up here. <laughs> Give you us know. your secret spot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I should tell everyone the wrong spot. Yeah, I totally go to Panama City. Yeah. It's not trashy and gross at all. <laughs> um, no, I hate Panama City. It's so yeah. gross. Um, you know, Pensacola is a really special place. I, I, you know, I feel very strongly about it. It's just really nice people. It's the perfect blend of Southern hospitality and beach culture. So even the accent here is very specific. It's like surfer dude, Southern. So it's like, y'all surfs (laughs) up, you know, I love it. It's so cool. And the history of it is also really special. It's the, it's uh, America's oldest settlement. And I know some debate between different cities about that but what had happened was in 15 something yes yes i always say augustine but in 15 something um we had a settlement here and then a hurricane bitch slapped everyone off the grid and so it didn't count apparently but a lot of the structures here are super old have great history and the newspaper here has had a strong presence for a long time and so a lot of the more interesting niche little bits of history have been captured and the uwf historic trust is great at sharing those things full disclosure they are a sponsor they're my main sponsor of my show how convenient i'm a little i'm a little biased but um (laughs) who's the sponsor uwf or the tourism board uwf historic trust okay so university of west florida is that what that is very good yes yep okay I didn't know that. I'd never heard of it. And I played colleges for years, but I don't know that. It's in Pensacola. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's 12 museums in this tiny town, which is crazy. And there's a downtown area that has a lot of historic museums and buildings and that sort of thing. And all of them kind of fall under the care of the trust. And uh, yeah, they have these cool tours. There's a red light district tour prostitution was legal and active here until about 1940, which is much later than the rest of the United States. And um, there's a lot of ghost stories. And I'm just a fan of the intersection between history and (laughs) the paranormal. I think it's really cool. Ghost stories were in the paper back in the day. And so um, we have a, a the Pensacola Museum of Art used to be the firehouse. And one of the most well-documented case of a poltergeist was at this firehouse. And it was in the paper. And so when you take a, a ghost tour from the UWF Historic Trust, that's where they're getting their information is from these newspaper articles that have been 
um, you know, enhanced by generations of families that still live here. Some of the stories are not permitted to be told because the families still live here and the stories of the deceased are the deceased of the families living and those family members weren't always well behaved. So the, there is a poltergeist, um, another poltergeist downtown in this one home. And uh, yeah, sometimes I, sometimes the family, I guess, doesn't want it to be told. I don't know how I learned it if they don't want to tell it. So I'm kind of questioning my memory of this particular story. But <laughs> uh, he abused his wife pretty badly. And so when women come into the home, um, sometimes things are thrown around and doors slam. And yeah, they're... Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? So you can see in an example like that, like the family wouldn't want necessarily you to be talking about their abusive granddaddy. Um, So not all the stories get told, but there's a lot of them. (laughs) We're like flying into there. What's the, what's the airport like, or do we have to go through like Dallas or something to get there? Pensacola airport. It's Pensacola air quotes, international airport. Um, When one of the mayor's came into came into power he decided that we would be international and we're not and which is hysterical to me because it's not really an international airport but it says on the sign pensacola international airport but it's it's a nice airport it's really nice there's um you know the main commercial area and then we have a really nice private airplane area too and um i've been inside both and they're just you know really nice sometimes they don't have it anymore but i used to be on the little flyers inside the airport, which was always fun. Like <laughs> moved here and now look, my face is on the thing. <laughs> oh, you were there. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Because of the tourism stuff. So that was kind of fun when people came into town. That's great. If you go there through the airport and forget your ID. Uh, You're like, you oh, that's a, me. Yeah, that's me up there on the wall. They're like, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> All you need no. to do to call yourself an international airport is have like one flight to Mexico or some Caribbean island there, and then boom, you're international. It's I guess so. Much. Yeah, we usually can. It doesn't take much. We usually connect through Atlanta, and yeah. that's where we go off to wherever we're going. So, so Delta's got probably biggest down there, right? Yeah, Delta. Um, I American. Um, flying to Greece will be interesting because yeah. it's a different kind of path, but, um, yeah, Delta and American are usually the ones that I choose. I don't do spirit or no. any of those. Do, do cruises stop there? I know they stop up in, uh, Mobile. Uh, okay. That's it. Yeah. Thankfully we do not have a cruise port. That's the well, that's other thing good. that I, I like about Pensacola is, it's touristy enough, like, but we don't have a lot of the high rise condos. You know, we have some, but um, I don't think any more are permitted to go up. I think we're at our capacity. There's lots of public access to the beaches. So you don't have to park and pay and then do all of that nonsense like you do in Orange Beach, Alabama. Um, but I feel like this is the part where I should tell anybody listening that they come to Pensacola, you got to like, play nice okay pick up your shit (laughs) fill in your holes at the beach turn off your lights for the turtles like do not act like an asshole because i will come after you yeah don't act like a bunch of people piling off a van in dominican republic exactly breaking your vodka bottle (laughs) on the airport floor rednecking it up up. all the way there in the in dominican so back to the introvert thing do you think does does it help, I think, as a traveler? Does it make you more curious or does it keep you hiding in your room or does it, uh, is this is a part of you that wants to go out and meet new people? I mean, I always find 
I like meeting new people, but it's hard to just strike up. I'm not that person to go up and, and just talk to a stranger. Uh, have mm-hmm. you ever taken a solo trip somewhere? Like, have you really mm-hmm. put yourself out there? Where'd you go? Yeah, that's not that weird for me, though. I, you know, I really like time with myself. And and um, and even when I travel with my husband, like we are very outward facing travelers. So when we went to Yellowstone, for example, um, you know, we were just really curious about everything around us. We went to go look at a geyser at the geyser spot. There was a bunch of people with walkie talkies. We thought that was weird. So we're like, hey, yo, what's up with the walkie talkie? And we struck up a conversation with a man who told us, oh, yeah, I work here. Oh, that's really cool. We start chatting. He's like, what are you doing tomorrow? Uh, do you want to want to go for a hike? And I'll take you to this geyser. This geyser hasn't uh, erupted in like, I don't know, 40 years or something. And it, they think it's going to erupt tomorrow at two o'clock. I don't know how we knew that. But and I was like, right on. Yeah, let's do it. And so you know, that's normal for us. And we forget that it's normal because it was a good reminder in that moment. The next day when we were hiking uh, with him, uh, he was like, there's this kind of moment of silence. He's like, so do y'all do this a lot? And something inside of me thought, oh my gosh, I think he thinks we're swingers. (laughs) (laughs) And which I had not yet done my podcast episode with swingers that came later. Um, and so I don't know why that thought popped into my head, but maybe he did think that. But um, <laughs> but alas, we are not swingers. We're very traditionally monogamous. Everyone. Yeah, was was geyser in quotations. Um... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. Thankfully, Ooh, thankfully, no. Hey, come see this geyser shoot. Geyser. You know I mean? <laughs> Go to this remote part of the park. How long ago were you there? Oh, it was 2019. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was beautiful. I, I had never been uh, to Yellowstone until like a couple of years ago. And really? Uh, yeah, it was pretty amazing. I mean, it is one of the jewels of this country. You know, it has to be seen. Like there's Yellowstone, the Grand Canyon. These are the things that just have to be seen. And oh, uh, it was incredible. Yeah. And Pensacola, of course. <laughs> what part? And of, Pensacola, of course. Yeah. Do you, if anything, is there some part of Nebraska you miss? And if no. it is one thing, <laughs> anything? I'm so bad now. I, um, I mean, it's really beautiful in its own in its own way. Like the prairie, the hills are just gorgeous. Um, there's a lot of abandoned schoolhouses um, that are just very cool. It's really, the sunsets are amazing. Omaha is pretty cool, actually. It's um, has a neat history as a railroad town. Um, but yeah, I'm good. Like, <laughs> I'm good. I'm and you know good. what I just realized? I never answered your question about being an introvert and traveling. Um, so I find it is an asset because you tell me as an introvert, do you feel like you're a good people observer? Oh, absolutely. Um, travel teaches you to, uh, you read people, um, especially when you're alone and you have to read people, you know, part of it's out of safety. Part of it, you, you start to learn, um, you examine behavior. Um, I'm pretty good at noticing when, like, if there's going to be trouble starting somewhere or, Things are going to get eh, uncomfortable here. And I'm usually right. 
um, um, just from time of just being around and, and being aware of my surroundings. It's easy when you're in the same place every day and, and you're so comfortable and casual, you don't notice the little things. But when you travel and in a, in a new place, especially in a new country or something, maybe you don't know the language, maybe whatever, um, you're hyper aware. You know, who's that guy over there? What's he, what's he, what, what's that about? Uh, you learn to read body language when you can't understand uh, a language yeah. or something or facial expressions or something. It's, uh, it's really interesting. And I think it, it has made me more observant and aware of, of people. I mean, you find that as well? Oh, a hundred percent. And I think in addition to safety and situational awareness, being an introvert also allows you kind of superpowers into how to access the hidden gems of wherever you're at. Like when we were in Nicaragua, you know, it was like, wake up, eat, surf, repeat basically every day. That's what we, we were in Papoyo and it's just like this tiny street and that's it. We didn't have a car. I mean, we were there just to surf and we met locals and it was lots of fun, but on day, whatever, you know, we're sitting in a hammock and you know, maybe the surf isn't ideal or something. And I'm not sure. And I think it was Anna, the cook. She was like, oh, have you been to the, um, what is it in English? And natural pools is the direct translation. Tide pools. Oh, the tide she said, pools. you haven't, have you been to the tide pools? And I said, no, where's the tide pool? So she gives us directions. And so we, we walk and we walk and we walk. And we, we thought we found them. And then we see two other women who are like climbing over a little rock and they look at us and they wave us to come over. And I thought they... I bet the tide pools are over there because we're like, is this the tide pool? This kind of sucks. And then we realized we hadn't gotten there yet. And so we followed the, you know, prompting of the other two women. And oh my gosh, it was so amazing. Like walked over these like reddish, yellowish rocks. And then there's these beautiful tide pools with cactus lining the rocks and all the sea life in the pools. And it was just heavenly. And I think being an introvert, I don't know, you just, notice people like you said but you also i think are better at connecting with people because you're more outward facing you know it's it's mm-hmm. that's kind of what i meant about like being a consumer versus being like a leading with curiosity when you travel like a consumer would be like all about me. I'm sitting here on my phone. What am I going to do next? What trip can I sign up for? What zip line am I going to do? Um, but I think the curiosity approach lets you get a little bored and you know, you've connected with the people around you. And so they, they give you gifts sometimes uh, gifts of information and tips and apparently tide pools. Yeah, no, that sounds beautiful. That sounds really great. Um, when you, look at uh, the podcast where it's at and the site and everything, where do you, where do you want it to go? And this, by um, the way, you can get your uh, plugs in, where can people find you <laughs> and uh, where, where's, yeah. Give us all your handles and sites. Yeah. I would like millions of downloads. <laughs> um, well, I'm also a podcaster for hire. And oh, so, what does that mean? yeah. Yeah. So that's money uh, as a podcaster, but I, I, to be perfectly transparent, I have one client. And so I would love another client, but uh, larger companies will hire me if they want to add a podcast to their brand. And uh, so I'm like, if a project manager and a showrunner had a podcast baby, <laughs> it would be mm-hmm. me. 
because I help people through the part of creating, launching, and sustaining a podcast that you can't really Google. Um, so it's kind of like having a little Sherpa through that process. But sometimes I'm also the host for the shows or I find the talent because a lot of companies, they're like, yeah, we got, like, say they're an HR firm. Oh yeah, you know, like everyone hires us to do their payroll and hire and fire and do all this stuff. And we want to position ourselves as experts in the field. But you know, they gave it to Sally at the front desk and she doesn't want to do it. So I would help find a, through my network of other podcasters, I'd help find them the talent in order to have someone who's interested in that topic and can have intelligent conversations or do whatever in order to help that podcast be a thing in the world. So that's, that's kind of thing one. Um, But my actual show my own baby my own podcast baby uh <laughs> is meredith for real the curious introvert and it's everywhere it's on youtube also um and i would i would love for anyone that finds themselves um too add to stick to one podcast i'm your girl <laughs> <laughs> like if you want some education you want some entertainment you you like to explore like the cracks and crannies of society I am so your girl. And that's what I got going on. So the best place to find me is on Instagram, Meredith for real, but I'm under that same uh, handle on most social media platforms. Oh, that's great. What do you think uh, these experiences you've had and the places you've been, how has it changed you as a person and how has it changed how the way you look at the world? Mm. It's changed me as a person because I've learned that just because you're not driving the bus doesn't mean it's going to crash. <laughs> <laughs> so my natural inclination to know and and to have certainty has relaxed a lot because I realized that a certain amount of uncertainty makes for a great story and it makes for a great experience and it grows you as a person in a way that going to a conference or listening to a podcast will never grow you. And that's probably the the biggest thing that I've learned. Um, It helps me see the world differently because I realize you don't have to go very far to have a travel-ish experience. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, just by asking an elderly person about their life 20 years ago. I don't know if you've noticed, Mike, but our world is pretty different than it was 20 years ago. Come on. You know, just, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> it just, you know, asking the right question. And I, I found that the way that I behaved when I traveled with other people, it was different than when I, than when I was at home. And I've learned that by kind of merging those two attitudes, you can really get a lot more out of the mundane daily life. If you just know the right things to ask. Right. No, that's great. Well, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. And next time uh, we're in Pensacola, we'll we'll hang out. Yeah, that would be fun. Hopefully there'll be a little surf for you. Oh, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. But that water's nice and warm, though. You know, living in LA. Most of the time, yeah. Because the ocean's so cold here. That's one thing I'm jealous of Florida about. There might not be as big of waves, but man, is it nice having warm water. Yeah, (laughs) it is nice. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. And if you dive, you'll still need a wetsuit. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Well, enjoy uh, your upcoming trips. Thank you. And thanks for doing this. Yeah, my pleasure. (laughs) 